Hey y'all, I'm your host, Rita, and you're listening to The Backpacking Introvert, a podcast where I unpack the mind, connect with my love of nature, and write outside the lines. Thank you for tuning in today. Out of all the podcasts, you chose mine, and I'm glad you're here. Welcome back to The Backpacking Introvert. Today, we have special guests on my podcast. We're going to be talking about ecotherapy. Today, we have Rhonda Dyer, and she's going to introduce herself and tell us about ecotherapy. So if you would like to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Rhonda, and I am the primary owner of Forest Creek Counseling, and I do private practice for psychotherapy with clients all ages and all walks of life and all genders, gender questioning even. I have incorporated nature into my practice and, and I became a certified ecotherapist in 2019, but I've been a therapist for over 25 years, working with people in a trauma-based informed kind of care. I'm a little bit eclectic with my methods and incorporate them all together sometimes. So, um, so sometimes I use mindfulness techniques Sometimes I do acceptance and commitment therapy, depends on what it applies to that. And then I use some Hakomi method. I start off with a cognitive-based therapy and I've done trauma-based informed care, but I sort of mix them together depending on what the client needs. Right. And can you explain what Hakomi is? Yeah. So I'm not certified in Hakomi, but it is a certification just like EDMR is, but I guess it's EMDR, but it is incorporating doing body work with a caring, genuine therapist and doing some breath work and identifying some of the things in mindfulness to do too. So yeah, people can get certified in Hakomi. And you said it has indigenous origins? Yes, it does. It has indigenous origins. I think it originally, the word comes from some Hopi Indians in the American Southwest. Yeah. This is a little bit, I'm going to like shout out to indigenous people and uh, the people that came before us and honor, honor the the spirits and souls, you know, that helped us along the way. I just moved. And so before I practiced where Tanakwa Indians practice, part of the Brazos River system, the Brushy Creek was where I was at. And I just moved now and uh, looked it up and uh, the Lipian Apaches were in this area that I'm in, uh, north of San Antonio. And the Guadalupe River was the main source of the watershed. So I'm close to Canyon Lake. So I love water. Gotta be near some water. So yeah, so... Yeah, just to, you know, honor the people that came before us and that were you know, the originators of this land. Definitely. I I personally have some tribal blood in me being Mexican. From my dad's side, I have a Yaqui tribe, which is more in the Sonorian area. Also Arizona, they scattered up a little bit to Arizona. So all on that side. So I do have some indigenous blood in in me. I feel that pride, feel that sense of pride. And it makes sense when I found that out why I felt an offend to the drums and the tribal dances and all that. But anyway, I digress. Side note. (laughs) No, No, I love drums too. So that's cool. I think it's good that we honor the people of the land that, you know, the indigenous people that came here. Whenever we talk about anything in uh, Canada, they do it with any meeting that they have. They mm-hmm. start with honoring the, the indigenous people, you know, and they go way back and say who was the first people of the land. They call them first people. That's what they call them. So that's sort of cool too, right? I think ecotherapy incorporates a lot of different um, modalities, you know, Mm -hmm. but it also always has like the nature component as a resource. 
that, that mother nature and the changes that happen and stuff. Uh, and so we need to know a little bit about the land or the water or the seasons, you know, or, or fire or the, you know, the elements. So we can incorporate that not only symbolically, but so people can get in touch with who they originally are too. Mm-hmm. What made you want to go into ecotherapy? Well, I had never really heard about it, but so I know that hiking and camping and kayaking, it, it balances me out. It brings me to my homeostasis where I feel whole again and relaxed and I can be myself. And then I went to a meetup called, it was Mindfulness in Nature. And a mm-hmm. group of us took a hike and did some mindfulness techniques with a therapist. And she told me about um, ecotherapy and we formed the Texas Ecotherapy Collective. So it was a group okay. of a therapist that get together and promote ecotherapy. And I'm like, I want to be certified in this. This right. has always healed me. I never heard about it before, mm-hmm. you know? And so I went to California and with Wilderness Reflections with um, Dave, I um, took a semester course that lasted six months, but eight days of it was learning on a mountain in California, in, the, in Marin County. Yeah. We camped out together. We created fire together. We went on hikes together. There's like five or six of us, all therapists. So there's a lot of different things that you can do and incorporate it. And found out the mind-body connection and how different things in nature affects the chemicals in your brain and your body and how, you know, if we're going to heal ourselves and heal other people, we need to incorporate nature into it, right. you know? Yeah. So I think you talked about forest bathing. That would be one technique of ecotherapy, mm-hmm. you know? So Shinriku, <laughs> did I say yes, it right? You're right, Shinriku. Um, yes, Shinriku. Um, for those from my audience, um, I have my the, the podcast before this one. We talked about uh, forest therapy. I had a guest who's certified in forest therapy and um, she, she mentions what Rhonda is talking about. So yeah, Shinriku is apparently force bathing from what I learned is a started in Japan. Yes, right. Cool. Yeah, that's correct. So yeah, so it, it's part of that. But there's also the like the Hokomi where you, you go into your body and go deep into your body and find out where your stress and your pain is hiding out and, and really identify it and then and then breathe it up and let it go. And uh, let let some in, in nature symbolically like represent it, and then how could nature or or the therapist connect something symbolically or even real, you know, like go hug a tree, you know, or um, you know, um, gardening is a form of ecotherapy, touching the dirt and growing right. things, identifying plants, or we really track track the emotions. And we can almost see the animal tracks, right? That they lead mm-hmm. us to something. So yeah, it's pretty cool. So speaking on like where you talk about animals and nature leading us, um, you could say that ecotherapy can be a spiritual experience, correct? Correct. Oh, I think it really is. I have uh, spirit animal cards. And um, sometimes I uh, kids are more open to it, but sometimes adults, right? But Mm -hmm. in therapy, I say, you know, what kind of animal would you be? And what would be some of the nature things that you do or how you identify with them? And we Mm -hmm. read, we read it and we say how that spirit guide or spirit animal would help you heal or help you on your journey. So yeah, that's pretty cool. 
So that's that's fun to do too. Um, the my group of people that I did my ecotherapy class with, we call mm-hmm. ourselves the Coyote Mamas, and and every full moon we we reconnect and we all we're all over the United States, but we all howl at the moon at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Just to like bond, you know, that's our tribe sort of, you know, so that, you know, we have this, this feeling of, you know, going forward and what's happening. And we talk about other things in our lives. Uh, We talk about climate crisis and climate anxiety, Mm -hmm. um, things that affect us all and stuff too. But yeah, uh, they've been a resource for me is is my tribe as the coyote mamas. So Sort of, sort of funny, right? It sounds fun. <laughs> we thought when we were out camping and learning about ecotherapy, we had a, a couple of coyotes that would visit us. Mm-hmm. You know, one one sniffed my head through the mm-hmm. tent. You know, I was like, oh gosh, and it wasn't something scary. It was something like wonderful. You know, right? Um, one of my friends though, she's like, Rhonda, you like that that eagle up there? I'm like, I think it's a buzzard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a buzzard. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. And, but that's what you do with your clients too. When you're out in nature is like, um, I was just Sunday. I had six people on walk and talks. We call it walk and talk therapy. Mm -hmm. And this young man, he's, um, his parents are getting divorced and he's real angry about it. I said, look, look at those little birds. You see those little birds in the bush. They sort of go with it. He goes, Mm -hmm. I bet they're chickadees. And I know about my birds. And I'm like, how'd you know that? He goes, I'm just guessing. I go, but look, they got little bandit, like little eyes on them. He's like, I go, they are, they're chickadees. And that's what chickadees sound like. Somehow that calmed him down. He was no longer mm-hmm. angry. He, you know, he had identified something in nature and he was right about it. So, right. and, and then I could go like, how do you feel about this? And he says, this divorce sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Like the, it makes people be really honest you know right so you know um because you're seeing nature and nature's being honest with you too so yeah and they're making those so. connections too I mean it sounds like you know by doing that he made a connection and you know like oh I'm I'm uh, identifying something in nature and it's also uh, bringing me that sense of peace and tranquility it's distracting me from what my current problems are at this moment. And isn't that mindfulness? Yeah, right? that, is. that you're like paying attention to your senses and what you see and what you can hear and, you know, just breathing uh, um, and, and being aware of what's going on around you. And then that makes you aware of what's going on inside of you too. And, mm-hmm. and sort of like, it's not going to be so bad if I can, be here I can be present in the moment right you know I can I can really be right here right now and look at the nature around me you know mm-hmm. so and we go on the same trail and like there's no leaves right now and like look all the pecan trees have dropped their leaves you're like oh you can see so much more now mm-hmm. <laughs> so they notice things and then I don't know it just brings more awareness to everything right I, I find it interesting. You mentioned that you take a group, which from what I've talked to some other uh, practitioners, I, I typically hear them say, well, except for the force bathing, sometimes they, uh, from, from uh, Kelly, usually, she, she takes usually, a group too. Usually I do one-on-one with people uh-huh. and um, 
the mindfulness um, uh, in nature is a group thing, mm-hmm. you know, where we go, we do some meditation, and then we come back and describe what we saw. And if we had any anxiety or anything going on, but usually when I do therapy, it's one-on-one. Okay. Um, yeah. So when you take a group, it's uh, obviously it's a different dynamic, but the purpose is different as opposed to individual therapy. Right. Is it? I don't know. I don't think the purpose is different. It's connecting to nature and realizing that instead of, and really the whole person, instead of being an observant of nature, you are part of nature. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, if you sit still long enough, nature will start coming to you and not be afraid of you. If you sit still long enough, um, you're not going to be afraid of nature so much. So, Yeah. I went to this one stream in Austin with a group of people and um, a rock moved because the water's moving pretty fast, um, Barton Creek. And uh, she stood up and she about freaked out. And then she like looked around and then she sat back down. And then we came back and processed what happened. She Mm -hmm. goes, I'm deathly afraid of snakes. And I thought a snake was coming at me in the water, but I stood up instead of screaming or running away like I usually do. uh Oh, Mm -hmm. Um, I, uh, she said, I just, I got up and I looked around instead. And so my anxiety subsided because I was observant and I was like, wow, that's really powerful. Right. Right. So then other people talked about their anxiety about different things, maybe it's spiders or maybe it's people. So it, it brings up other topics too. So, but I think she connected, she ended up taking her shoes off and waiting in the water. You know, I was like, wow, yeah, 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 you were afraid of snakes and now you're in the water. Right. Yeah. Do you feel like because they're in groups, the the conversation is different as opposed to an individual session? Or do you find that even if though they're in groups, they're still pretty open? Um, People are really polite in groups and they, there's a pause and they, um, they wait and talk they don't all talk at once and so it's more natural Mm one-on-one and it's not um like in a group it's very uh, specific and directed like um, talking about anxiety or something but when you're doing a walk and talk you're like oh there's a squirrel (laughs) right (laughs) then you get back on topic you know (laughs) right you know so um it seems like it flows easier when you're noticing things in nature one-on-one so Mm -hmm. that same young young guy we're talking about the divorce and stuff and there's a bunch of trees they had just cut to the stump and uh he's like i don't want to go for a hike i'm mad and so Mm -hmm. i'm like okay let's go back and let's count the stumps and he's like why do they cut these trees down and he's jumping from stump to stump i said because they're dead or they're gonna fall on people He's like, oh, I get it. That was a symbolic thing to him with his parents' marriage. Right. You know? So sometimes, like, they can get things because of the parallel with nature. Right. Those metaphors. Yeah. Yeah. This is a a young guy. He's really smart, though. But, um, yeah, I think um, with adults, anyway, in groups, they're more directed. So, 
Um, I had a group once where we just, we talked about what got us interested in nature, sort of like this. And people were really cautious about how they were going to say the answer. So, yeah. I don't know. It seems more scripted or I don't know. So not as free flowing. So when you, when you do groups, you come with a certain topic you're going to talk about or how does that work? Yeah, usually. Yeah. So, and they can direct it that way too. So, but yeah, usually. Yeah. Um, I have this one is um, it's from an old book called um, what the Robin knows. Mm-hmm. And it, it really describes how people bulldoze through life and mm-hmm. that nature parts in, in, in front of them. And so, cause nature's like, Oh, here comes the human bulldozer, you know? And so it, it gets out of the way. It gets out of our way. So sometimes it's hard for us to see nature. We have to turn to the side and look at things. You know, we have to look at it from a different perspective because it's like a snowplow. It's like everything gets out of the nature. It's like doesn't really like us plowing through things. And so sometimes telling people just to, you know, sit and relax and clue into their senses and then start noticing what the birds are telling us or what the bugs are telling us, you know, and, and or the trees even, you know, uh, sometimes you can feel the trees telling us stuff. So, um, and to go deeper and understand that, you know, sort of get that. So I think that helps a lot too. So yeah, I did one on what the Robin knows <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and different stories from a Robin, uh, a bird, a Robin the bird perspective. Right. Right. So yeah, there's some arts and crafts things that you could do with different people. Um, I've done a, a fire one where, um, we talk about grief and people we've lost, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know why a campfire really helps people talk about those things, but we went around in a circle and everybody had their turn, you know, instead of people giving feedback right away. So, right. Do you think it's yeah. because fire also has a cycle? Yeah. 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 Well, it's mesmerizing sometimes, right? That too. You just, just staring at it yet yeah it starts out little yeah in my ecotherapy class um we got a piece of wood and we got we carved out another piece of wood and Mm -hmm. we all took turns and from a little tiny ember we put it into a little nest and into the nest we put it into a little kindling and we made fire and we cooked from we made fire from sticks (laughs) from like you know, an auger. It was like an auger stick. So it was like so cool. But it was like, this is hard work too. Um, and but from the hard work, you got a fire that you could cook food from, or we had marshmallows, but you know, so right. yeah, and it burns out, you know, eventually dies out. Right. And you still have those embers, a lot of symbolism in fires. So yeah. Yeah. I can yeah. see that how that would re- resonate with death and grief you know or loss you know even if it's not death physical death per se um i guess guess you have to in groups that i've had i guess you have to honor the pause the Mm -hmm. the time when people are thinking or processing what other people have said 
you know, and waiting for their turn to say something. So, yeah, it's good because sometimes we go too fast and talk too fast. So, yeah, it seems like there's, you have to honor the quietness, you know, give people time to process things. So. Do you think that nature lends to that though, to be in that quietness? Yeah, because when you're doing that quietness, you hear other things. Mm -hmm. You know, you might might hear the crickets or you might, you know, hear a deer walking by or something. You know, it, it does. It makes it clues you into the environment better, which makes you clue yourself into what's going on with you better, too. Right. So, yeah. so in your practice, do you primarily just do ecotherapy or do you do other I try to incorporate it in everything, but um, I'm gone online mostly because of the pandemic. So right. move from my office and um, I do one day a week and I stack people up on Sundays. I did six people on walk and talks on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So, but otherwise I do online. So, but like today um, I've done a sit spot in nature with this, uh, man that he's gone through a lot the last couple of years um and i and he just moved and i said okay i'm gonna see you again next week i want you to scout out a sit spot maybe a couple of them you don't have to go do them yet you know but i can mm -hmm. tell you're overwhelmed and just sitting in nature helps calm you you know and i, I want you to go scout out a place and tell me some places that you might have found so i can't go with him <laughs> right you know but i can make it an assignment right right so yeah so and um he loves birds and has bird feeders and we talk about different personalities of birds and stuff sometimes too and they seem to mirror people in his life you know mm -hmm. like the blue jay squawks a lot or you know i told him a mockingbird has a louder it imitates every all the other birds um songs but it's louder mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. you could tell a mockingbird's not the real bird he's like i got people in my life like that they're really really, <laughs> really loud like once you say it then people notice it so yeah it's sort of cool um i did one for a group of ladies um it was online i wish it would have been in person but you know color was too big on the meaning of the seasons and how we go through different things just like nature we have mm -hmm. seasons and each season represents like winter is adulting and planning and being responsible, you know, but spring is new creativity and new ideas and planting new crops and summer is fun. It's the adolescent is the, let's go play in the water. Let's go on vacation or, mm -hmm. you know, and fall is letting things die and letting things move on and letting go of things that no longer serve us. So I did a whole like two hour group on that and people really identified with it a, a lot too. So yeah, it's from Stephen Foster. Um, he has some good books on ecotherapy and, and describes that. How what the are seasons. some books from him that you would recommend? I knew you were going to ask this. Uh, the Four Shields, the, the Initiation of Seasons, The Initiatory Seasons of Human Nature, Stephen Foster and Meredith Little. That's one. Uh, the Spirit Animal Oracle. Yeah, it's fun. 
is a fun thing to do. I met an Austin Richard Loof, and he says that children have nature deficit disease because they don't get outside a lot. Okay. So he wrote, a, yeah, he wrote a book called um, The Nature Principle: Reconnecting with Life in a Virtual Age. Is that a pretty new or recent? Yeah. Yeah, he has another one. The Last Child in the Woods and Saving Our Children from Nature Deficit. And his name is L-O-U-V. Yeah, that's a great one. And then probably the primer of ecotherapy is nature and therapy. Understanding counseling and psychotherapy in outdoor spaces. And it is by Martin Jordan. So if you see a lot of articles for eco psychology, a lot of them are by Martin Jordan. Yeah, I like Brene Brown too. Oh, I love, who doesn't like Brene Brown? I love Brene Brown. Yeah, well, this is the first one I read, Braving the Wilderness. I haven't read that one. The Quest for True Belonging and the Courage to Stand Alone. I want to get her new one. So this is uh, Linda Buzzquell, and it's Ecotherapy Healing with Nature in Mind. It has a lot of different stories from different psych, psych people. I mean, it's like a anthology. This is The Wild Edge of Sorrow, and it's about um, rituals, renewal, and sacred work of grief and how it incorporating it into nature work. So. Yeah, good books. Would you say that these books are are more academic rather than layman's kind of literature? Yep, I would say that. Most of them. The way that I do my groups is from this book, and it's called The Way of Counsel. I've heard of that one. by Jack Zimmerman and Virginia Coyle. So it's really doing stuff in an indigenous people way. Mm -hmm. So yeah. What's a book you would recommend for beginner people who are not... Yeah, that are not clinicians. Oh, I love the way Richard Love writes because he he's not a clinician he's a writer and mm-hmm. he talked about going outside like when we were growing when he was growing up you went outside until it was dark and then you came in and you explored mm-hmm. the the woods and the fields and the creek he writes really well i guess the primer would be the nature and therapy by martin jordan that would probably be the best one yeah you're right about going out until dark because i remember at least me growing up because i was growing up before the internet <laughs> right and we would go um look for lightning bugs and now you can't see those anymore all the fireflies are gone you have to go deep into the forest to find them yeah i'm originally from iowa you can find them in the far in the iowa sometimes so yeah that's cool yeah yeah so i think that it gives you a basis for some of the studies they've done on healing and and how nature influences healing so Mm -hmm. i think the books are a good basis but you got to get out there and do stuff you know you have to get outside friend of mine was gonna take an ecotherapy class is all online like you don't get to go outside (laughs) (laughs) i gotta go outside so yeah yeah we used to ride our bikes and catch crawdads (laughs) so you know, kids learn through fun and through play. Right. Being, being outside really influenced me a lot. So, and I think I was in my fifties when I first backpacked. So really, you know, yeah, yeah. How was that yeah. experience for you? That's awesome. So talk about spirituality. So um, I was working for the military in um, central California and I went to Yosemite and just going through the tunnel and seeing the, the valley is like being born again. And then I went real early in the morning to meet the crowds and I was getting my boots on and a coyote came right by me. I was just like in the parking lot. I was like, oh my gosh, my spiritual animal, I'm going to be okay. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, I went like six times and I didn't do the touristy parts. I did like the back country parts of Yosemite. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. I did a challenging one with a friend 
and we went up 10,000 feet within like six or seven miles. I could not breathe. I was like that. I got altitude sickness, but the beauty up there was, I guess, worth it. But after a couple of days, I was like, I got to go down the mountain. <laughs> Literally breathtaking, uh, right? <laughs> it was. Oh my gosh. It was so breathtaking. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to make it, but then and another friend said, take oxygen with you. They got these little canisters and you go and you get a little whiff of oxygen. Wow. So yeah, it's a game changer. And then you meet really kind hearted nature people when you're out backpacking too. Even yeah. if it's just like in passing or something, it's awesome. I have found so. that in uh, day hiking, even in day hiking. I mean, I have yet to do, you know, overnight backpacking. Um, like I was, we were talking earlier, that's something that's on my list. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, anytime I've gone hiking, I have yet to encounter somebody who is rude, except sometimes maybe the forgetting to say excuse me or those who don't pick up their trash. But for the most part, you find people who are so very kind. If you're in trouble, they're willing to help you out. Uh, if you're lost, they're willing to help guide you back on the trail to where you need to go. So I have had nothing but great experiences hiking. And I feel like in, in on the trails is where you find the greatness of humanity. I agree. So I was at uh, Colorado Bend and I, uh, it was in October and I didn't think it was going to be hot in Texas in October. I was wrong. Mm -hmm. And I um, just took a little bottled water with me. It was like three and a half, four miles down to Gorman Falls. Mm -hmm. And so I did that. Okay. Right. And, but my mm -hmm. water was gone. And uh, then hiking back, I was wearing black and it got really hot uh -huh. and I didn't think it was going to be that far. And so I was like hustling from sunshine to shade and then I breathe in the shade I think I was getting dehydrated and so I was almost back to the parking lot and some people came along and they said are you okay you don't look okay I'm like I don't think so <laughs> <laughs> and they gave me water and they poured some water on my head they were just such nice people right. and then they're like we're we're gonna make sure you get back to your car I'm like no no I'm okay go ahead like no no we're gonna you don't look so good right. and so they helped me back to the car and then there is a group of people and they brought me some grapes and stuff I'm like so nice it was so yeah. nice of them and then I went down to the the lower Colorado River and I just submerged myself and cooled down that way but I had gotten overheated but everybody was just they were very nice people that I was by myself too so I should plan better <laughs> <laughs> hey you you live and learn right <laughs> hopefully <laughs> I mean isn't that what part of ecotherapy is too you know you learn from those lessons that that nature gives up. For sure. For sure. We were hiking along a cliff in Yosemite and my friend was with me and she was really afraid to fall, you know? Mm -hmm. And I said, Katie, stop a minute and look around. Look up. I go, you can see five waterfalls right now. One of them's the biggest drop in North America, the, the Yosemite Falls. Mm -hmm. And she's like, wow, wow. And this is such a analogy of how people live. They're so busy looking down because they're afraid they're going to fall. You know, right. why don't you take the time to slow down every now and then and look up and look and see what's around you and see the beauty of nature everywhere because it's everywhere mm -hmm. you know even if it's winter or changing it's there so I, I learned a big lesson there is like stop and breathe and look around you know you don't always have to be looking like you're about to fall off a cliff even right. if you might, might be right <laughs> I mean we were close but but yeah, so, and we had big backpacks on our back too. I think uh, there's beauty all around us. And that so. can be applied even in, in our daily lives because a lot of us are looking down at our phones. Yes. Oh gosh, it's really true. Yeah. And especially young people, like, like kids. 
always mm-hmm. looking down their phones. Yeah, I was like, look up, hey, look up, right? Did you see that bird? <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, that's really true. So, yeah. And I can see why, you know, you mentioned the author, Richard Louvre, right? How it, it sounds like, you know, very true to what he's saying that there is a nature deficit because of all that looking down, a lot of us, you know, and I've fallen into that trap myself, aren't paying attention to our surrounding. And, and how important is that? Not just to remember to live life, but also for your own safety. Right. Or Rita, we're not paying attention to what our body's telling us. That too. Yeah. You know, like you should, you should go eat something. You've been sitting on this phone for four hours. Right. Yeah. Get up and move. (laughs) So yeah, that was my hardest part about doing video or telehealth uh, Mm -hmm. counseling is that I sit too much and I want to get up and move around. So I enjoy walking talks a lot more than just sitting and talking or listening. But um, yeah, maybe it's a little bit of our hyperness, but yeah, we get sucked into our phones or our computers a lot you know that's not reality nature's reality right yeah have you ever done um like a retreat have you organized one and done one i want to do one and i had had some people that i was going to do it with but covid hit Mm. so I also belong to this um, group of people. Uh, they're awesome people. And it's called Women Empowering Women in Nature, or We Win. And it's a meetup. And we were going to do a retreat and go camping. And then COVID hit. Mm. We, we do, um, I think, for free. They do yoga twice a week for free, just a Zoom online. And then uh, once a month, we have speakers on different things. And then we do a full moon thing every month too. What is that about? It's uh, calling the women and all of us and and really honoring the moon and uh, asking the moon to replenish us, you know, renew our spirits. So yeah, it's fun. And people do different topics every time. So it's sort of cool. And then when we're at the end of it, we go outside with our phones and howl mm-hmm. at the moon. But we used to do it in person. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we would go like uh, to the top of a, a cliff or a mountain or on a hike or have a campfire or something, a state park or something. But yeah, we had to change all that, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But in, in doing that too, you're connecting with nature, but also nature and community. Yes. And we always like connect and a lot of, it was in Austin and a lot of people just moved there and they, they didn't know anybody. Mm -hmm. And so they were interested in nature and women. And we formed a really strong community. Talk about different, like uh, eating lifestyles or just different nature things. But we used to go on hikes. Oh, the drumming. We went on, it was one of the last things before COVID. We went on a really cool hike with a creek and we had a chiropractor that was uh, talking to us about the rhythm of our bodies. Mm -hmm. And when you walk, how you could sort of feel the rhythm. It was so cool. And then when we came up the hill, we had a drumming person give us all drums and we did a drumming circle. All females. It was so cool. I had to go buy a drum. So yeah, I have a couple of drums now. So, but no drumming circle right now, but that would be fun, right? That uh, would. How, how could you uh, use drumming in nature with your clients? Oh gosh. It, uh, it beats in your heart and then there's no rules to it. You can have whatever pattern and you end up having a pattern. Mm-hmm. So, and you feel it, uh, your body feels it right. and uh, it's really fun. And you do some breathing and you have the drumming noise. It's really cool. So I could see where it'd be really good for the mind body connection. Right. Mm-hmm. 
it puts you in a good rhythm. So right. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. Huh? And all of those drums are made from, you know, elk or buffalo or other animals. So there's nature right in your hand. Yeah. I think I have a deer one that's like a big one. And then I have an African one that's more shaped like a tulip sort of. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I have a couple different ones. Yeah, I'm ready for COVID to be over so we can go meet again and be with people and be in nature more. So, but right now it's my my solace and I prescribe it for my, my patients or my clients, mm-hmm. you know? Get outside, do something together, go discover a tree or something. Yeah. So just taking the walk and breathing fresh air is good for you. So right. if you go if you go the ocean or go the coast, they say that the salt water when it makes a mist is about the same saline solution as your blood and it balances oh. you out too. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of chemical things that are happening in your body when you're out in nature that's positive right would you say like dopamine is one of them so what happens is like when you're having a you know a stress response to something something that you perceive as danger or anxiety or your mm-hmm. body creates you know cortisol and adrenaline to prepare it to survive mm-hmm. you know take off or fight it off or something those chemicals hang out in your body different places so you have to be moving and it can be inside or outside but it's better if it's in nature for at least 20 minutes to release those chemicals out of your body just to that's the body work right Mm -hmm. you know stretch stretch out those muscles move move it breathe them out perspire a little from 20 minutes to 40 minutes the dopamine kicks in and the endorphins, you know, you're like, they, they like, Oh, I can do this. I can, you, you get like a switch turns from being negative to being positive and right. saying, I can go a little further. They say after 60 minutes, you've reached your optimal effect of, of that, but it stays in your body for up to eight hours. Wow. It, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's amazing. Right. Just moving for an hour nonstop. What impact would you say that because of all the chemical changes that are going in our body, what kind of uh, impact would you say this would have using ecotherapy with uh, those of trauma survivors? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I think you have to be careful and make sure that people feel safe and that they're in a safe environment to communicate that. When I do my ecotherapy, I create a a portal or a bridge. Actually, I have a bridge um, and I have everybody stop before and I'm like, okay, what are our intentions for our walk today? What mm-hmm. do we want to talk about? Take a deep breath, open your arms and breathe and let it out. And then once we cross this bridge, that's when we start. When I've done it like in hills or in a hike, I get sticks and I make a circle mm-hmm. and I have them be in the circle. Like it's almost like a time travel thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so there's a start and then there's the ending. And so the start right. is what your, your intentions are. And then you, you listen to what they have to say. My intention is always to be a good listener and to breathe and to remind them to breathe and to release things or where you or ask the questions, where are you feeling this in your body, right? And then connecting them to something symbolic. That's what they're talking about in nature. And then coming back right before we go through the portal again, we stop and we we say thank you. And sometimes I say thank you for the trees or thank you for the breeze or thank you for that that little bird that we saw or, mm-hmm. or just thank mm-hmm. you for the day. And so they think of things to be grateful for too. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. how we end it. And then we walk across the bridge or in, into the portal, take another deep breath and that's the end of it. Usually then I make the next appointment after after that. But 
Yeah. So I think that they should really should scout out a safe place. You want to make sure that I ask, I get to know people a couple of times before I go on a ecotherapy session, because I want to make sure that their knees are okay, that they're not going to fall. You know, mm-hmm. do they have water? Mm-hmm. It's going to be, I don't like it when it's really cold. If it's like in the thirties, I don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell them that I'm pretty honest about that, but you know, sort of the environmental safety things where I go down to my usual, I have a spot, it has a little hill and sometimes it's muddy and uh, sometimes it's too wet. I'm like, yeah, be careful here. So you got to make them feel safe enough to talk about things and to connect to their body and to connect connect to nature. So I think it really helps PTSD. A lot of wounded warrior programs do things in outdoors, Mm -hmm. in nature. There's studies and research that done about the chemical effects of um, people with illnesses and how being outside or being in nature really helps them. Even looking outside in a window, they say, can like they compared people that didn't have a window Mm -hmm. to nature. So what have you seen as far as any transformation or any healing? What have you seen? I know that they're healing when they start going out by themselves and going out and taking a walk by themselves or doing different things. Um, I, a young lady that had some trauma with a, a dad getting divorced, you know, don't want to go into the details of that, but we started going outside and um, she started identifying really small things like snails or little bugs. And we talked about some of the abuse that happened and stuff. And it was a safe place for her to come and talk. And so then I come back to the same spot and she's like, oh, I took a hike here myself. I'm like, really? Wow, that's cool. And she's like, yeah, the water is really up right now. Or she started noticing things Mm -hmm. that wasn't, you know, isolated in her bedroom. And she started collecting rocks. She's like, let's find some of the pretty rocks. I'm going to save them. Then she's like, do you think my mom will let me keep the snails? I'm like, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) but she started engaging in the world around her and and noticing things and saying oh look at this or oh I want this Mm -hmm. so that was pretty cool so yeah there's been other things I think too but when they tell me they've gone out on their own to do some of their own healing in nature that's when I know it's worked and they can have that resource anytime they don't Mm -hmm. have to have a appointment for that right Right. It's because you help them create that safe space that they know that, okay, I can go back to this place because I already know it's safe. Yep. A lot of them have never heard of a sit spot in nature. Mm-hmm. They've never heard that before. A lot of them like, oh, I jog or I run or I I go on this trail. I go as fast as I can. I'm like, have you stopped and looked at things? <laughs> like, why do we have to be in a rush through everything? We just rush through it instead of stopping and looking. And uh, so the sit spot in nature is settling yourself into nature and then noticing how nature, it takes about 15 or 20 minutes for like a dragonfly to land on your foot, you know, mm-hmm. or like nature knows you're safe now and right. nature will come come to you that's really helped people calm down a lot like it calms your whole system down in essence you become part of nature right because you're if you're sitting in there you know like kind of like what you said the dragonfly comes to you and sits on you or the butterfly or other things around you they start coming to you and you become part of it because they're like they recognize you as part of nature right sometimes I like to take my shoes off and put my feet in the water and I've encouraged clients to do that too and sometimes little fish will come up and check you out, you know, check your foot mm-hmm. out. I'm like, don't move, don't move. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's not bad. They're just making sure you're safe. So yeah, right. I think that's true. And to find a 
safety and calmness in the world and you don't know how to do that, you know, that you've gone to the computer or your online or you know, social media to find that just doesn't work. So I think if you get outside and get into nature, it does work. That's the way we're supposed to be. It makes sense for trauma, those who have experienced trauma. And a lot of us have at this point, especially with the pandemic, but those with like complex trauma, it makes sense for them to like the safety issue, because a lot of those individuals who have that kind of trauma don't even feel safe sometimes within their own bodies. Right. It's true. That's like yeah. a major shift for them. Um, because a lot of us in itself, and I've said this many times before, a lot of us are not connected with our bodies, but those who have experienced some complex kind of a trauma are even less inclined to be connected with their bodies. So with nature, you're not only connecting with nature, you're connecting with yourself, as you mentioned before, and becoming more aware of not just nature around you, but also within yourself, because we are nature. We are part of it. You know, we're very interdependent upon nature to survive. And, and, and it, it's kind of like what you mentioned earlier about the climate anxiety. That's probably why there is that climate anxiety, right? Could you explain right. what climate anxiety is? Oh, yeah, we're in a crisis. So the earth is burning. And, you know, if the trees are burning, every state has it but california is really bad colorado had it at christmas right mm -hmm. and people that are tuned into the earth they feel worried you know we're worried about this young people yeah. and we should be worried you know we need to take care of our earth if it's going to take care of us and there's a lot of anxiety about that and to deny it uh it's like not paying attention to your body you know Right. So, I mean, we have to acknowledge it. And I think that's part of ecotherapy too. That probably part I didn't mention is how can we give back to the earth? Because the mm. earth heals us. How can we give back to the earth to heal the earth? Mm. Is it planting trees? Is it getting more people out in nature to just see the value of it? You mm -hmm. know, um, used to take some bird seed with me sometimes and we would like if I have clients, we throw little bird seed places and just do something to give back because nature right. gives us so much. So there is a lot of anxiety about, you know, we're in a crisis and if you're in a storm, we're in a storm. <laughs> so maybe acknowledging that and say, what can we do to help? Right. That, that's part of it too. I get mad and that's my response to things sometimes and want to, you know, do something. But that's what your anger is telling you to do something. Right. So there's a lot of eco-anxiety or, you know, due to climate crisis. I'm not even going to call it global warming anymore or climate change. We're past that. It's crisis mm -hmm. time. So yeah. I agree. I mean, just look at what we had here in Texas in last, around this time, close around this Remember, time. Oh, it was crazy, right? Yeah. yeah. Texas weather becomes national news. You know, there's an issue. Yeah. We have no electricity for three or four days. We, we didn't lose water. So that was good. But I had friends that their pipes broke, but yeah, that was crazy. That was an extreme thing, wasn't it? Yeah, it yeah. was. Hope it doesn't I, happen again, but it probably will. We're, we're <laughs> hoping not. We're hoping not. <laughs> no, right. But yeah, yeah, that was a big. I had some clients that I was talking to that their pipes burst while I was online talking to them, mm. and they're like, "I have to go find a place to live." I'm sorry. I was like, this is a crisis. This is trauma. And they'd already had other traumas in their life. They were talking about the other traumas in their life. And all of a sudden, like, it's raining in their apartment. Right. Just, that was crazy. But yeah. So yeah, I think if people connect to nature, it, it calms them and it makes them see how important it is to. How would you say through. that ecotherapy has impacted you the most? 
So the thing that heals me is nature and it always has been. And I don't know, I didn't get the connection before of how it could heal other people too, or how I could share that. Mm-hmm. And um, until I met other people like that, um, mindfulness in nature, um, it, Amy like did that. So I was like, wow, this can help other people too. Mm-hmm. And I've always want to help people. So I've um, been a therapist for a long time and you learn all these different techniques, but then they're like scripted or what to do. It's more open-ended in, in ecotherapy. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be forest bathing or it could be a sit spot in nature or it could be a walk and talk, you know, and it could be mindfulness. It could be Hakomi. You integrate all those things together. So I think that's what I really like about it, too, is some of the spiritual things from indigenous people. We integrate that. Mm-hmm. We have to be respectful of where the person's coming from and where we're starting with them. But we have those resources that maybe I didn't really feel like I had before. Mm-hmm. Like some some kind of therapies, it's too much by the book right so that's what I think anyway but yeah if you can give your energy to a tree and feel the tree's energy come back into you and just breathe it in and know that you're going to be okay and be calm really helps a lot so if it helped me I think it can help other people so definitely I sort of had to I had the feeling before and I knew it before for myself but I didn't have the theoretical background afterwards you know so I got that I got the experiential part of it and then um, sharing it with people. I could see a significant impact on people. Right. Would you say that using ecotherapy has been more impactful with you and your practice than anything else? Yeah. Especially during the pandemic. I would say, yeah. When I first started out doing therapy, I worked with foster care children that had suffered uh, sexual abuse and severe Mm -hmm. physical abuse. Mm Mm-hmm. So I did the trauma-based informed care. And I think that had a significant impact also. They've told me years later about it, but I don't know, it was somebody else's prescription that I did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This just feels more genuine and natural for me. Yeah, so I could see a big difference. So if somebody wanted to... go into ecotherapy like I do personally, what resources would you recommend they reach out to? Yeah, there's a lot of training for it in different places, but I would recommend that if you do have training, that part of it be in nature, Mm -hmm. you know? So there are different institutes or if you look up Wilderness Reflections, I can't think of Dave's last name right now, but they have a great program. He's done it worldwide. He's gone to Australia and New Zealand and Great Britain and mostly it's out of California. But Mm -hmm. I would say find a program that integrates both online learning and being in nature, actually experiential learning right? in in the elements, you know? Well, it would make sense to be that way because, I mean, that's what you're going to be doing. So how can you get that experience if you're not practicing it? Yeah. How can you get that experience if you don't see the coyote? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Or the eagle or the salmon or the running water, right? Oh, gosh. Where we went. I didn't even know this, but they had bay leaf trees, bay trees, mm-hmm. and they had all fallen in September. And I just laid down the leaves and it was like you're in fresh bay leaves. You know mm. how bay leaves smell that you put in food? Right. It was them. Nice. <laughs> like, wow, this is, it just surrounds you, you know, it's mm-hmm. just so cool. And like I said, the big redwoods, I was able to hug them and give them some of my grief and feel the support coming back right so a loving caring living object so mm-hmm. I, I think it would be good to be in nature learning it and, and it would give you uh, experience with other people and probably it should have something that helps you like if you did a group 
right? Or if you did a retreat or what one-on-one would look like, or um, we had to do a treatment plan for people, you know, like how would the nature be incorporated to help this person with this issue? Right. So it was really practical, I guess. Awesome. I would recommend that. There's, I think some in North Carolina, there's two or three in California. It'd be great if we had one in Texas, right? Right. <laughs> we should make one, right? We so, should. But so you I said belong- you were involved in this coalition, right? Yeah, it's a collective, yep. Uh, Texas Ecotherapy Collective, and we're on Instagram under TX Ecotherapy. Not we can fit the whole word. Te- Texas Ecotherapy. So TX Ecotherapy, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of practitioners that uh, integrate healing. And some people like do gardening, you know, or mm-hmm. do plants, or some people go kayaking. You know, they do different things, incorporate that into their therapy. So right, always think safety first, though, too. Right. I would like to do the the kayaking. I went kayaking and there, you know, they have the tandem kayak. That's great for couples therapy right there. <laughs> you mean divorce therapy? <laughs> you, you know what they call those tandems? They call them divorce makers. Oh, do they? <laughs> yeah. My husband and I went on a, I still have the tandem and I'm like, you're getting your own kayak. <laughs> <laughs> Come down to Canyon Lake. I got six kayaks. So yeah, I'll take you kayaking. I would so, love that. Yeah. So if people wanted to get in touch with you. How would they get in touch with you? So I have a website called forestcreekcounseling.com. Mm-hmm. So Forest Creek Counseling, try to have nature. Some of my backpacking trips, I have pictures from from there or different places I've been. Yeah. So if they wanted to, um, they can contact me through the website and read a little bit about me and some of my other people. If now, they wanted to follow you on social media, could they or no? Yes. Rhonda D. Dyer, Instagram. I don't do Facebook because I got too radical. And <laughs> seriously, I did. I dropped it right before the election last year. So, um, and then the, the Instagram, we have a Texas ecotherapy and then I have just a picture, one of pretty pictures of places I've been called PR bell six, eight, I think PR bell. I'm more Insta person. Maybe I should learn TikTok or something, but I don't know if I've done too much social media. (laughs) That's what I agree. Uh, I get away from Instagram. So, I mean, I want to start, you know, cause you can get, like we mentioned earlier, you can get sucked into that and. Before you know it, you're you're living Instagram and you're not living your life. Yeah. I thought it would be cool, though, to um, be a traveling therapist mm-hmm. and go to really cool, beautiful places and inspire people to get out in nature and maybe do a vlog or something of, right. of pretty places and breathe it in, you know? So mm-hmm. we're like, well, I don't know if I'm technical enough to do that. I'd have to learn how to do a drone or something, but I guess it takes a lot of editing and I don't have those skills. Well, that yeah. sounds fun. I would, I would be interested in doing something like that. So maybe later on down the line, uh, we can collaborate. That sounds awesome, Rita. That sounds really <laughs> cool. Sounds fun. Let's start out with a hike. Right. Ugh. Yeah. Well, I yeah. want to thank you for coming on to my podcast. I want to thank you for your time and uh, yeah, I appreciate awesome you. what you're doing. Yeah. Thank yes. You. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you talking to, to us about ecotherapy because it's important that 
people are aware of it and they find the therapy that best fits them because there isn't one size fits all therapy. I agree with that. Just to close, I had a client who thought he was going to get a divorce and his wife uh, left him last year Mm -hmm. and we would go to this spot and I told him about riparian zones and he goes, what is that? And I'm like, wherever there's a river or creek, wherever it curves and there's plants on the side of it, it's always changing and it's what you nurture that stays or sticks and Mm -hmm. what you ignore or that's when the flood will take things away or deposit big areas of sand or make a new course. And he's like, I'm going to make a new course. And I go, it has to be curvy. You know, Mm. it can't be fast. It has to be like step-by-step curvy. And he did it. So through the pandemic, he went over and took popcorn and movies to his wife where she lived. And he was able to win her back somehow. And uh, he also took up uh, disc golf, frisbee golf, and Mm -hmm. got outside all the time. It was like, oh, there's a lot of trees here or oh, there's some water things here, you know? So he made himself get out on a routine basis, like two or three times a week. Mm -hmm. And he said that being outside really healed him also and made him more calm in his response to his wife. So, wow, wow. So yeah, it made a big difference for him. Yeah, he's trying to talk me into becoming a a Frisbee golfer. I'm like, oh, maybe, but (laughs) it's fun. Yeah, I might. So (laughs) it's like hiking and golfing together. I don't, I don't know. Kind of, sort of. All right. Well, I would love to collaborate with you. Feel free to contact me again. It was really fun doing this too. Before we get started on today's podcast episode, I have a little bit of information I need to share with you. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions or concerns you may have regarding any mental health issues. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking mental health care from a licensed professional in your area because of something you may have heard from my podcast. I speak only from my personal experiences, knowledge, and education, and not as a licensed therapist. This podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. With that said, let's get started. Thank you for tuning in today, and I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I've enjoyed speaking to you. Make sure that you're following my Instagram page to stay up to date for the next episode. That's all for today, and you are listening to The Backpacking Introvert. Until next time.